Hello, I'm Holly Baker. I'm the podcast producer in the public history program at the University of Central Florida, and I will be your host for this podcast series on the Florida Constitutions. In 2018, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the current Florida Constitution. This podcast series will look back at all the constitutions in Florida, starting with the first Florida Constitution, drafted in 1838. These interviews were recorded at the 2018 annual meeting of the Florida Conference of Historians. The day-long session examined each of the Florida Constitutions and discussed how they addressed the concerns of their time. The sessions took place at the Old Senate Chamber in the Florida Historic Capitol Museum in Tallahassee. Robert Casanello, an associate professor of history at the University of Central Florida, and Julian Chambliss, a professor of English at Michigan State University, moderated the discussion. During the conference, Julian Chambliss interviewed Robert Casanello about the 1868 Constitution. Let's listen. Our last panelist is Dr. Robert Casanello from the University of Central Florida. He's going to talk about the 1868 Constitution. So, Dr. Casanello, why was there a need for this Constitution? Right, the, the 1868 Constitution comes about as a result of um, Reconstruction, specifically Congressional Reconstruction. And what happens is the U.S. Congress uh, is in dispute with the presidency and wants to do away with um, presidential reconstruction, which was rather lenient to the former Confederate states, which included Florida. And they ended up dividing the former Confederate states, except for Tennessee, um, into five military districts. And Florida was in the third military district, along with Georgia and Alabama. And under this military reconstruction, um, the U.S. Congress expected that the state of Florida, the citizens, would um, impanel a new constitutional convention that would um, grant African, or would accept the 14th Amendment, would grant African American men um, the right to vote, and also have African American men participate in the Constitutional Convention. So that was sort of the things that precipitated the Mm -hmm. Constitutional Convention in 1868. how did this constitution, the constitution, reflect the ideas of the time? Well, uh, that's a little difficult to address because there's so many different kind of political factions and parties in the country at this time. So, you know, one group of people, and obviously this group of people were predominant in Florida, were the um, conservative Democrats who did not support congressional reconstruction and, of course, ultimately would not support the 1868 constitution. You know, and they were rather conservative, and they wanted a, a lenient um, reunion with the um, with the country. And then there were the Republicans, and the Republicans were divided between two factions. Sometimes you can count into three factions, depending on different personalities you organize them under. And between the Republicans, there was a moderate faction who wanted to be a little more lenient than the radicals did with the. Um, former Confederate officials and former Confederate sympathizers, and then there were radical Republicans who wanted to have sort of a, um, a, a state that really responded to people in ways that um, people in Florida had not seen before, and they wanted to sort of um, use African Americans in the state as a way to build a long-term and effective Republican Party. 
And so you had these, all these different groups sort of vying together, and the conservative Democrats, who were sort of the outlier in the process here, you know, could sort of curry favor with the moderates, who saw the radical Republicans at times as sort of, uh, you know, their opponents. Well, given the sort of dynamic political landscape, what are, what are the ideological concerns sort of embodied in this Constitution? Um, well, there's, there's a few things here in the um, 1868 Constitution. It, it ends up being the, as a result of the, the factionalism within the Republican Party in Florida, the Constitution ends up becoming a, a, a moderate document. So the radicals really don't get the sort of government and the Constitution that they desire. So as a result of it, some of the ideas that show up in the Constitution are things like a more lenient policy for former Confederates and former Confederate sympathizers. They are just asked to, you know, declare loyalty to the Union, and then they come back into the body politic. And in fact, the Constitution that, that they design also doesn't put blame on the um, former Confederates or even mention the rebellion at all, which is not what the radical Republicans wanted in the document. And also, moderates were weary of black majorities, and so they, they purposely created a, a document that um, apportioned politicians and state legislators in such a way that majority black counties would have um, no way to elect a majority black legislature or even have um, control of local government. Um, even if a, a community had a majority black population, they wouldn't be able to elect their local officials. The only local official that could be elected within the 1868 Constitution was that of the constable. Every other office had to be appointed by the governor. And so this leads us to another design of the 1868 Constitution, which is a much more um, powerful governor than the state of Florida had seen um, earlier, one that could actually appoint um, officials not only statewide, but on the local level as well. So that sort of like sets up our next question. Um, when you look at this constitution, what are the political debates, or more importantly, perhaps the legal cases that you associate with it? Um, there's, there's quite a few. One is the um, role of power in the government. So with the 1868 constitution, people in the state of Florida, voters in the state of Florida, elect uh, Harrison Reed as governor, and he comes in with this government that gives him great deal more power than his predecessor. And what happens is the factionalism within the Republican Party uh, in the state legislature begins attacking Reed, and Reed becomes um, threatened, first initially threatened with impeachment, and then tries to save himself from at least two different um, very serious threats of being impeached. And so there's, there's that issue, and it kind of puts um, the functioning of the state government really in jeopardy by having this sort of divisiveness and this sort of division. The other thing that it sort of brings up as well is the issue of civil rights. And what we see come out of the 1868 Constitution, and something that um, we don't recognize is, is the, the previous Constitution, 1865, and the legislature that came out from it enacted a series of measures known as black codes. So not only were African Americans in Florida right after the Civil War not recognized as citizens, but then they were treated in ways that almost replicated slavery in that they couldn't buy arms, they couldn't assemble, they, you know, it really kind of restricted their freedom in a lot of ways. And so the 1868 Constitution effectively abolished um, 
these black codes. And one of the legacies, and this is sort of a constitutional legacy at least that existed for a very short time during this reconstruction period, is that the issue of civil rights is very much um, something that is central to the document and is not only supported by um, radicals, but to some extent supported by moderates as well. And we get in 1873 a civil rights law passed from the state legislature that's actually much more effective than the civil rights law that was passed by the U.S. government a year later in 1874. And finally, what are the political debates that we see attached to this Constitution after? You know, there's a, there's a few. I mean, one obvious thing is the issue of apportionment. Um, and the issue of apportionment really doesn't go away in the next iteration of the Constitution. And one of the, the consequences of um, the 1868 Constitution, as far as apportionment goes, is in the, in the effort to create a majority white government on the state and local level, politicians essentially had to rig a system where rural counties had, you know, more say based on their population than, you know, more populous counties, uh, especially port counties that had port cities. Uh, another issue that comes up, and this is sort of really interesting, is the issue of voting. And obviously African Americans get the right to vote with the 1868 Constitution and the efforts to curb or limit African-American voting really doesn't take place until after the next Constitution in 1885. But what's interesting that is embedded in the 1868 Constitution is this clause that in the year 1880, the state of Florida would enact some form of literacy examination for voters, essentially, so a literacy test, that that would become um, standard with uh, the right to vote after 1880, but anyone who was voting before 1880 would be grandfathered in. Um, and ultimately, this provision never gets enacted. A literacy test never, never happens. But what's interesting is 1885, in the next constitutional convention, there were legislators who recalled that moment and brought it back up in 1885 to put that exact same provision in the 1885 constitutional, um, this issue of the literacy test sort of comes back. It's like, a, you know, it's planted as a seed in the 1868 election. And finally, one last thing I think that should be mentioned is um, one of the debates that really that we even still kind of acknowledge today that was generated with the 1868 Constitution is the idea of the state of Florida um, hosting and supporting public education. And that was very important for African-Americans who were newly freed. They wanted a statewide public education system. And obviously, I think to some extent, too, is they tied this to their civil rights because they believed that, um, that one could not enjoy freedom, one could not guarantee that their rights were secured if they didn't also have an education. So a system of free public education was something that was sort of very important. And it's something that gets handed down from one constitution to the next, even included in the current Constitution in 1968 that we um, are governed under today. That was Robert Casanello from the University of Central Florida discussing the 1868 Constitution. Thanks for listening. In the next episode of this series on Florida Constitutions, Chris Day from the McClay School in Tallahassee, Florida, discusses the 1885 Constitution. Please join us for that episode. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation, and if you did enjoy it, please recommend it to others.
post it on your Facebook or Twitter page for others to find. This series was produced by Robert Casanello and Julian Chambliss. We'd like to thank David Proctor and Jesse Hinkson with the Florida Conference of Historians for assisting in the recording of this series. You can find out more about the Florida Conference of Historians at www.floridaconferenceofhistorians.org.